0: Book Three, Part One of History of the Kings of Britain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of the Kings of Britain by Geoffrey of Monmouth. Translated by Aaron Thompson and J.A. Giles. Book 3, Chapter 1 Brennius quarrels with Belinus, his brother, and in order to make war against him, marries the daughter of the King of the Norwegians. After this, a violent quarrel happened between his two sons, Bellinus and Brennius, who were both ambitious of succeeding to the kingdom. The dispute was, which of them should have the honour of wearing the crown. After a great many sharp conflicts that passed between them, the friends of both interposed and brought them to agree on the division of the kingdom on these terms, that Belinus should enjoy the crown of the island, with the dominions of Lurgria, Cambria and Cornwall. Because according to the Trojan constitution, the right of inheritance would come to him as the elder. And Brunius, as being the younger, should be subject to his brother, and have for his share Northumberland, which extended from the river Humber to Caithness. The covenant therefore being confirmed upon these conditions, they ruled the country for five years in peace and justice. But such a state of prosperity, could not long stand against the endeavours of faction for some lying incendiaries gained access to brennius and addressed him in this manner what sluggish spirit has possessed you that you can bear subjection to belinus to whom by parentage and blood you are equal besides your experience in military affairs which you have gained in several engagements when you so often repulsed culphus general of the marini in his invasions of our country and drove him out of your kingdom be no longer bound by a treaty which is a reproach to you but marry the daughter of Elsingius, king of the norwegians that with his assistance you may recover your lost dignity. The young man, inflamed with these and the like specious suggestions, hearkened to them and went to Norway, where he married the king's daughter, as his flatterers had advised him. Chapter two Brennius's sea fight with Gwilchthlac, king of the Dacians. Gwilchthlac and Brennius's wife are driven ashore and taken by Belinus. In the meantime his brother, informed of this, was violently incensed that without his leave he had presumed to act thus against him. Whereupon he marched into Northumberland and possessed himself of that country and the cities in it, which he garrisoned with his own men. Brennius, upon notice given him of what his brother had done prepared a fleet to return to britain with a great army of norwegians but while he was under sail with a fair wind he was overtaken by gwilchthlack king of the dacians who had pursued him this prince had been deeply in love with the young lady that brennius had married and out of mere grief and vexation for the loss of her had prepared a fleet to pursue brennius with all expedition in the sea fight that happened on this occasion he had the fortune to take the very ship in which the lady was and brought her in among his companions but during the engagement contrary winds arose on a sudden which brought on a storm and dispersed the ships upon different shores so that the king of the dacians being driven up and down after a course of five days arrived with the lady at Northumberland under dreadful apprehensions as not knowing upon what country this unforeseen casualty had thrown him. When this came to be known to the country people, they took them and carried them to Belinus, who was upon the sea-coast, expecting the arrival of his brother. There were, with Gwilchthlak's ship, three others, one of which had belonged to Brennys fleet. As soon as they had declared to the king who they were, he was overjoyed at this happy accident, while he was endeavouring to revenge himself on his brother. Chapter 3 Bellinus in a battle routs Brennius, who thereupon flees to Gaul. A few days after appeared Brennius, with his fleet again got together, and arrived in Albania. And having received information of the capture of his wife and others and that his brother had seized the kingdom of northumberland in his absence he sent his ambassadors to him to demand the restitution of his wife and kingdom and if he refused them to declare that he would destroy the whole island from sea to sea and kill his brother whenever he could come to an engagement with him on the other hand Bellinus absolutely refused to comply with his demands, and assembling together the whole power of the island, went into Albania to give him battle. Brennius, upon advice that he had suffered a repulse, and that his brother was upon his march against him, advanced to meet him in a wood called Calaterium, in order to attack him. When they were arrived on the field of battle, each of them divided his men into several bodies and approaching one another began the fight a great part of the day was spent in it because on both sides the bravest men were engaged and much blood was shed by reason of the fury with which they encountered each other so great was the slaughter that the wounded fell in heaps like standing corn cut down by reapers At last, the Britons prevailing the Norwegians fled with their shattered troops to their ships, but were pursued by Belinus and killed without mercy. Fifteen thousand men fell in the battle, nor were there a thousand of the rest that escaped unhurt. Berenius, with much difficulty securing one ship, went as fortune drove him to the coasts of Gaul. but the rest that attended him were forced to skulk up and down wherever their misfortunes led them. Chapter 4 The King of Dacia, with Berenius' wife, is released out of prison. Bellinus, after this victory, called a council of his nobility to advise with them what he should do with the King of the Dacians who had sent a message to him out of prison that he would submit himself and the kingdom of Dacia to him, and also pay a yearly tribute if he might have leave to depart with his mistress. He offered likewise to confirm this covenant with an oath and the giving of hostages. When this proposal was laid before the nobility, they unanimously gave their assent that Belinus should grant Gwilzlac his petition upon the terms offered. Accordingly, he did grant it, and gwilchthlac was released from prison and returned with his mistress into Dacia. CHAPTER Five: BELINUS REVIVES AND CONFIRMS THE MALMUTINE LAWS, ESPECIALLY ABOUT THE HIGHWAYS BELINUS, now finding no body in the Kingdom of Britain able to make head against him, and being possessed of the sovereignty of the whole island from sea to sea confirmed the laws his father had made and gave command for a settled execution of justice through his kingdom but above all things he ordered that the cities and the roads leading to them should enjoy the same privilege of peace that dunwallow had established but there arose a controversy about the roads because the limits determining them were unknown. The King, therefore, willing to clear the law of all ambiguities, summoned all the workmen of the island together, and commanded them to pave a causeway of stone and mortar which should run the whole length of the island, from the Sea of Cornwall to the shores of Caithness, and lead directly to the cities that lay along that extent. He commanded another to be made over the breadth of the kingdom leading from Menevia that was situated upon the Domitian Sea, to Hamo's port, and to pass through the interjacent cities. Other two he also made obliquely through the island, for a passage to the rest of the cities. He then confirmed to them all honours and privileges, and prescribed a law for the punishment of any injury committed upon them but if any one is curious to know all that he decreed concerning them let him read the malmutine laws which gildas the historian translated from british into latin and king alfred into english chapter six brennius being made duke of the allobroge returned to britain to fight with his brother while bellinus was thus reigning in peace and tranquillity his brother brennius who as we have said before was driven upon the coasts of gaul suffered great torments of mind for it was a great affliction to him to be banished from his country and to have no power of returning to retrieve his loss being ignorant what course to take he went among the princes of gaul accompanied only with twelve men and when he had related his misfortune to every one of them but could procure assistance from none he went at last to serginus duke of the allobrogue from whom he had an honorable reception during his stay here he contracted such an intimacy with the duke that he became the greatest favorite in the court for in all affairs both of peace and war he showed a great capacity so that this prince loved him with a paternal affection he was besides of a graceful aspect tall and slender in stature and expert in hunting and fowling as became his princely birth so great was the friendship between them that the duke resolved to give him his only daughter in marriage and in case he himself should have no male issue he appointed him and his daughter to succeed him in his kingdom of the Allobroges after his death but if he should have a son then he promised his assistance to advance him to the kingdom of britain neither was this the desire of the duke only but of all the nobility of his court with whom he had very much ingratiated himself so then without further delay the marriage was solemnized and the princes of the country paid their homage to him as the successor to the throne scarcely was the year at an end before the duke died and then brennius took his opportunity of engaging those princes of the country firmly in his interest whom before he had obliged with his friendship and he did this by bestowing generously upon them the duke's treasure which had been hoarded up from the time of his ancestors but that which the Alabroge most esteemed him for was his sumptuous entertainments and keeping an open house for all. CHAPTER Seven. BELINUS AND BRENNIUS, BEING MADE FRIENDS BY THE MEDIATION OF THEIR MOTHER, PROPOSED TO SUBDUE Gaul. When he had thus gained universal affection he began to consult with himself how he might take revenge upon his brother Belinus, And when he had signified his intentions concerning it to his subjects, they unanimously concurred with him, and expressed their readiness to attend him to whatever kingdom he pleased to conduct them. He therefore soon raised a vast army, and having entered into a treaty with the Gauls for a free passage through their country into Britain, fitted out a fleet upon the coast of Neustria, in which he set sail, and with a fair wind arrived at the island. Upon hearing the rumour of his coming, his brother Bellinus, accompanied with the whole strength of the kingdom, marched out to engage him. But when the two armies were drawn out in order of battle, and just ready to begin the attack, Conwenna, their mother, who was yet living, ran in great haste through the ranks, impatient to see her son, whom she had not seen for a long time. As soon, therefore, as she had with trembling steps reached the place where he stood, she threw her arms around his neck, and in transports kissed him. Then, uncovering her bosom, she addressed herself to him, in words interrupted with sighs to this effect. "'My son!' Remember these breasts which gave you suck, and the womb wherein the Creator of all things formed you, and from whence He brought you forth into the world, while I endured the greatest anguish. By the pains, then, which I suffered for you, I entreat you to hear my request. Pardon your brother, and moderate your anger you ought not to revenge yourself upon him who has done you no injury. As for what you complain of, that you were banished your country by him, if you duly consider the result, in strictness can it be called injustice? He did not banish you to make your condition worse, but forced you to quit a manner that you might attain a higher dignity at first you enjoyed only a part of a kingdom and that in subjection to your brother as soon as you lost that you became his equal by gaining the kingdom of the allobroge what has he then done but raised you from a vassal to be a king consider further that the difference betwixt you began not through him but through yourself who with the assistance of the king of norway raised an insurrection against him. Moved by these representations of his mother, he obeyed her with a composed mind, and, putting off his helmet of his own accord, went straight with her to his brother. Belinus, seeing him approach with a peaceable countenance, threw down his arms, and ran to embrace him, so that now, without more ado, they again became friends and, disarming their forces, marched with them peaceably together to Trinovantum. And here, after consultation what enterprise to undertake, they prepared to conduct their confederate army into the provinces of Gaul and to reduce that entire country to their subjection. CHAPTER Eight, Bellinus and Brennius, after the conquest of Gaul, marched with their army to Rome. they accordingly passed over into Gaul the year after, and began to lay waste to that country. The news of which, spreading through these several nations, all the petty kings of the Franks entered into a confederacy and went out to fight against them. But the victory falling to Belinus and Brennius, the Franks fled with their broken forces, and the Britons and the Allobroges, elevated with their success, ceased not to pursue them till they had taken their kings and reduced them to their power. Then, fortifying the cities which they had taken, in less than a year they brought the whole kingdom into subjection. At last, after a reduction of all the provinces, they marched with their whole army towards Rome, and destroyed the cities and villages as they passed through Italy. Chapter 9 the Romans make a covenant with Brennius, but afterwards break it, for which reason Rome is besieged and taken by Brennius. In those days the two consuls of Rome were Gabius and Porsena, to whose care the government of the country was committed. When they saw that no nation was able to withstand the power of Bellinus and Brennius, they came, with the consent of the senate, to them to desire peace and amity. They likewise offered large presents of gold and silver, and to pay a yearly tribute, on condition that they might be suffered to enjoy their own in peace. The two kings, therefore, taking hostages of them, yielded to their petition, and drew back their forces into Germany. While they were employing their arms in harassing that people, the Romans repented of their agreement, and again. Taking courage, went to assist the Germans. This step highly enraged the kings against them, who concerted measures how to carry on a war with both nations, for the greatness of the Italian army was a terror to them. The result of their council was that Bellinus with the Britons stayed in Germany to engage with the enemy there, while Brennius and his army marched to Rome. To revenge on the romans their breach of treaty as soon as the italians perceived their design they quitted the germans and hastened to get before brennius in his march to rome bellinus had intelligence of it and speedily marched with his army the same night and possessing himself of a valley through which the enemy was to pass they hid there in expectation of their coming the next day the Italians came in full march to the place. But when they saw the valley glittering with the enemy's armour, they were struck with confusion, thinking Brenius and the Galli Sasson were there. At this favourable opportunity, Bellinus, on a sudden, rushed forth and fell furiously upon them. The Romans, on the other hand, thus taken by surprise, fled the field, since they neither were armed nor marched in any order. But Bellinus gave them no quarter, and was only prevented by night coming on from making a total destruction of them. With this victory he went straight to Brennius, who had now besieged Rome three days. Then, joining their armies, they assaulted the city on every side, and endeavoured to level the walls, and to strike a greater terror into the besieged, erected gibbets before the gates of the city, and threatened to hang up the hostages whom they had given, unless they would surrender. But the Romans, nothing moved by the sufferings of their sons and relations, continued inflexible and resolute to defend themselves. They therefore sometimes broke the force of the enemy's engines by other engines of their own sometimes repulsed them from the walls with showers of darts this so incensed the two brothers that they commanded four-and-twenty of their noblest hostages to be hanged in the sight of their parents the romans however were only more hardened at the spectacle and having received a message from gabius and Porsena, their counsels that they would come the next day to their assistance they resolved to march out of the city and give the enemy battle accordingly just as they were ranging their troops in order the consuls appeared with their reassembled forces marching up to the attack and advancing in a close body fell on the britons and the allobroges by surprise and being joined by the citizens that sallied forth killed no small number the brothers in great grief to see such destruction made of their fellow-soldiers began to rally their men and breaking in upon the enemy several times, forced them to retire. In the end, after the loss of many thousands of brave men on both sides, the brothers gained the day and took the city, not, however, till Gabius was killed and Porsena taken prisoner. This done, they divided among their men all the hidden treasure of the city. End of Book 3 Part 1